Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Today is Monday, December the 16th. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Today is episode number 858. It's Mailbox Monday, and I'm going to be answering a whole bunch of questions. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today, everybody. Hey, I wanted to let you know that I am coming to Lakeland, Florida on February 21st through the 22nd. So we'll start on a Friday night with worship and uh, just a really great time of teaching. And I think you guys are going to love it. This is my third year in Lakeland. And right now it's early bird registration. So if you register early for the event, then you get a free gift when you come and everybody's going to be jealous. So get in there, go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. I'll be uh, speaking for the FPEA marriage cruise the 4th through 12th of January. And then for the last two weekends in January, I will be speaking for the THSC Homeschool Moms Winter Summit. First one's in Frisco, Texas, and the second one's in Houston. So come on out and say hello. In February, I will be doing uh, the Teach Them Diligently conference for the 27th through 29th. But I really want to highlight Faith That Speaks, my women's conference, that early bird rate is happening right now. You get a free gift for registering early. That is happening February 21 through 22 in Lakeland, Florida. You guys are so awesome. Can I just say, you are awesome. I love all the questions that you send to me. If you would like to have your question considered for Mailbox Monday, you need to uh, reach out to me online and you can do that by going to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. And it's really important that when you get in there, if you if you can, a couple of things that we really appreciate. First of all, short and sweet and to the point, as short as possible. I know a lot of you want to get in and give me, you know, uh, three pages of, of background information, but honestly, it makes it harder for us to even look at your question because we're looking at so many. So keep it short, keep it sweet. Let me know immediately what it's about. Is it about parenting? Is it about relationships? Is it about marriage? What is it about? And that way uh, we're able to get to a wide variety of questions. We have a couple hundred of them sitting in the in the queue right now. So keep them coming. Uh, we're going to answer as many of them as we can. It's important for me to take you to God's word whenever we talk about questions and what's going on in the culture. Because honestly, you guys, if we don't come at this from a position of authority that's based on the word of God, then we're always going to struggle to answer the questions uh, using biblical discernment and we need to be discerning. So the first question comes from Alicia and Alicia's asked a very tender question and I really appreciated her question simply by virtue of the fact that it takes courage to ask a difficult question and I realize that over here and so I appreciate your willingness to come and talk about this topic. Alicia is asking on behalf of a friend of hers whose baby has just been diagnosed with anencephaly and I think it's important important for, first of all, anencephaly, uh, the definition of that is basically the brain is not developed correctly. Sometimes it grows outside of the skull. Sometimes there is no skull, but this is a condition that physicians will agree is generally something that's called incompatible with life. And so it's a devastating diagnosis. And Alicia says that her friend was diagnosed, her friend's child was diagnosed with anencephaly and her physician's are recommending abortion. And so she's 24 weeks along right now. As you can imagine, this is a 
devastating diagnosis and I don't want to treat it lightly. I don't want to push your pain under the carpet. I want to come at this from a position of faith and then hopefully encourage you to uh, make help your friend rather make a wise and right decision. I realize that there's a timetable involved in this. So when we talk about life, we need to talk about life from a position of how God sees life. All right. Uh, God is involved in every aspect of life of every unborn person. Psalm 139, verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In Jeremiah 1, verse 5, it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. See, God's heart beats for the unborn. God's heart beats for them. And he never said that he uh, he has a plan for you that involves somebody else taking your life, the life of an innocent person. We know because the Bible teaches us, first of all, in the Ten Commandments and throughout God's word, that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. And so he doesn't say, so the argument is, well, this mom is saying, I'm going to go ahead and terminate because my life, my baby's life is incompatible with life. But God says in his word that it is wrong to take the life of a, of a human being, an innocent human being. And your baby, this baby that's been diagnosed with anencephaly is an innocent human being. And I have had a couple of friends over the years who have had uh, babies who have been diagnosed with conditions that were incompatible with life. One I think of in particular, and I, I may see if I can get my friend to come on the podcast and share her story because it is so powerful. Uh, she and I were pregnant at the same time. Our babies were due around the same time. And her di- her daughter had a diagnosis of trisomy 18. And her baby, they said, your baby's not going to live. And if it does, it's not going to survive the birth. And if it does, it's going to, it's going to die, you know, moments after birth. And these two friends of mine, this, this father and this mother made a courageous and right decision. It was a righteous decision. It wasn't just courageous. It was a righteous decision to say, no, we are going to carry this baby to term. And God will be the one who decides when she goes home. And miraculously, her baby lived for a couple of months. And I remember just the way that this family embraced this little child, knowing that she wasn't going to be with them very long. And did it, did their hearts break? Absolutely. Their hearts broke. But you guys, we do not have the right to take the life of an innocent human being. The Bible says, thou shalt not kill. It doesn't say thou shalt not kill unless your baby's been diagnosed with an illness that's incompatible with life. So choose life. Every woman that I know who has chosen to bring their child to term has been so glad that they did to embrace that life. A, uh, that life is precious. And B, you want to have the opportunity to embrace it rather than live with the guilt of terminating the life of a child. And so I know this is a difficult situation. I know this is a, a painful uh, a painful road to walk down, but it does not negate the truth of the word of God. The Bible says that children are a gift from God, no matter the circumstances of their conception. A child with a disability is no, left a, no less a gift from God than a child who is born without any disability. A child who's born, who is uh, conceived, and then we discover that child has anencephaly or that child has uh, a condition 
that will render them unable to live outside the womb, God still has a plan and a purpose. And oftentimes, you guys, those plans and purposes extend far beyond the life of that child, and they impact the lives of the parents and the siblings and the people at the hospital that work with that family. And you have an opportunity to trust that God will give you the peace that passes understanding. And that's what we're asking the Lord to do. Lord, give us peace. Lord, heal our broken hearts. I saw a story, and in fact, I posted it on the Busy Mom over at Facebook. I posted it where a lady said that she and her husband, uh, their first child was diagnosed with anencephaly, and they chose to carry their baby to term. And they have a beautiful story of God's healing in their lives. And so I want to just encourage you, Whenever we are faced with difficult situations, well, actually all the time, even when we're not, but especially when we are faced with difficult situations and and unimaginable diagnoses, we can turn to God's word and know what we should do. And in this case, uh, I would just, I, I will be praying for you that you can love your friend and help her not to live with the burden of taking the life of her unborn child. So these are difficult questions, but I appreciate you asking them. And uh, we'll continue to pray. Just so that We need to pray for, for all of us. Speaking of praying, you guys have been listening to me talk about what's happened in Battleground Washington with regard to uh, comprehensive sex education. And uh, last Monday, or actually it's been two Mondays ago now, the school board met again. And you guys, the people that are pushing this curriculum are relentless. Less. They're absolutely relentless. They're hoping to wear us out. And uh, I'm like, not on my watch. I'm going to be tired, but I'm not going to be worn out, not worn out enough to speak the truth. And I wasn't able to go to the school board meeting because my children were in a choir concert that night. And so I went to the choir concert, came back, and to my dismay, I discovered that the Battleground School Board was convinced, with the exception of one brave woman, the Battleground School Board was convinced to vote to allow CSE into the school in the form of an elective. And that'd be like, you know, people said to me, well, why do you care? It's an elective. So the kids can opt in if they want to. And I'm like, well, it's poison. So let's say we inject poison into just a few kids. Well, it's also a poison that's contagious. And so now we're looking at, we inject the poison and the kids spread it around the school. It, is it as bad as mandating it? No. But it is bad. And so we're going to be fighting it, fighting that again. I'm sure we're going to fight it at the state level. I have a feeling we may end up even taking it to court. And I just want to encourage you, uh, and I may make a video about this. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But the fight against comprehensive sex education is not a fight against educating children about the way their bodies work. This is not against telling children how babies are made and talking about sexually transmitted diseases. It's not about any of that stuff. It's talking about what is absolutely unverified science and teaching it as fact to our children. I saw a guy writing an article for the Seattle Times last week, and he was talking about cisgendered children versus transgendered children. And I thought how easily we have accepted this ridiculous terminology that says that we have to use cisgendered children when we're talking about kids who just identify as the sex they were born as. And we have fallen down this rabbit hole. Not only that, but they are teaching children uh, the most incredible. I mean, you guys, you wouldn't even believe it. I can't even say those words on the podcast today because I didn't warn anybody ahead of time. But can I just tell you right now, it's awful. It's 100% awful. And I want to encourage every person that's listening to this, get off the bench, get into the battle, find out what's happening in your school district, whether you homeschool or not, and, and fight this with everything that's in you. I know that when we 
uh, look back on this period in our, in our history as a nation, that we're going to look back on it with absolute dismay if we sit back and just allow this to happen. And if this is happening in your child's school, pull them out of school. You guys, you have options. You have so many options. And so let's protect our kids. And I would appreciate your prayers for uh, for my hometown here in Battleground, Washington, that the parents and administrators and uh, those of us who don't even have our kids in the public schools will continue to be in this fight to protect the next generation. Next question comes from a mom who wishes to remain anonymous. She said, Heidi, in your podcast a couple days ago, you were talking about confronting fellow believers about their sin. I've been struggling with a situation where the husband of another couple that my husband and I have been friends with has done unethical things in his job. Uh, And so she says, the guy no longer works at the company my husband's employed at. My husband is reluctant to confront him for fear of possible ramifications that it will bring on the company. And so now our friendship with this couple has become completely strained. And I feel stuck knowing everything that I know, but not feeling that I am in the appropriate position to confront this friend or tell his wife what has happened without someone confronting him first. I have been bearing the burden of feeling like I am condoning and complicit in someone else's lies and deceit, which should not be my burden to bear. I want to respect my husband's feelings and concerns and not press him to confront him if he doesn't feel like it's the best thing to do. I've been trying to put it in the Lord's hand and ask him to reveal truth, but the whole thing has gnawing at me every day for almost a year, and it takes everything within me to fight bitterness and resentment. Is there any way to handle this other than simply praying? Okay, so first of all, I want to correct something because I feel like you know at the end you say, is there any way other than simply praying to handle all of this? I think it's easy for us to feel like our prayers are just tokens that we that we, you know, we get on our knees and we do our token prayer, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, Father, please help us, blah, blah, blah. You guys, prayer is your primary weapon. Prayer is the weapon of the children of God. It is our primary weapon. Prayer and worship. Worship is a weapon. And so I I want us to not look at prayer as something that we just do because there's nothing else to do. All right. You know that I'm, I am a huge proponent, engage, 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 but there are some situations that you can't engage in. You can absolutely engage in the fight against CSE. You can absolutely vote. You can absolutely, there's so many things that you can do. This particular situation to me, it seems obvious to me that your husband said, I don't want to do that. I don't feel good about it. And you need to respect your husband's feelings and ask the Lord to to give you peace. Ask the Lord to give you peace. And you know something about this person. You know, whenever Jay and I have encountered somebody who clearly has uh, a sin problem in their life or whatever it is, we will usually say, okay, we learned something. And we'll probably back off in friendship from those people. We might distance ourselves. We might, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think sometimes we think we have to uh, confront every single thing and you don't need to do that. All right, this seems like a situation to me that uh, this man is gonna answer for his sin which wasn't against you. It was at some. It was against somebody else. And it sounds like it might've even been against his employer. That is something for his employer to work through, not something for you to work through. So I would say, unhitch yourself from this guy's destiny and even from his sin. And instead pray for your husband and ask the Lord to give you peace and God will do it. All right. Uh, this is so important. Here's the next question comes from uh, Marcy and she says, hello, I have a question and I would love to hear you address it. What we are finding in our church is a lack of scripture and a depth of believers. Lots of new families coming in while others are speaking of walking out. We have had a very young leadership. Our senior pastor is not even 30 years old and in all other ministry, uh, everyone are there is not even 30 and all in other ministry staff are young women. 
when do you leave a church? We love the other families of the church and we have come to have relationships with them. We know it's not the pastor's job to quote feed us on Sundays, but ours to feed ourselves every day. With that said, it's not that untruth is being taught, but there's not much depth in what is being taught. The most recent thing that has us questioning whether or not we leave is the children's classes. Recently, a children's volunteer posted pro-homosexual marriage rights and very liberal mindsets on social media. And this had us contacting our children's director about the influence this person was having on our children. Their response was that, quote, she's a young believer, one of the sweetest volunteers we have. And when you have this many kids and not enough volunteers, you take anyone to help. After all, she's not teaching theology. Are we being hypersensitive? Okay, so huge red flag. No, you're not being hypersensitive. If you have a person who's volunteering for your church and they have a position that is against scripture, then it is the job of the pastoral staff to remove that volunteer from helping. So if you don't have enough kids to help in your children's ministry, don't have a children's ministry. I would so much rather say don't have a children's ministry than have a children's ministry that's filled with immature people. I don't care how sweet they are. I don't care if they're not teaching theology. They are absolutely impacting and influencing children. And so you're not expecting too much from your church to expect them to have mature people in leadership. And so when you think about leaving a church, there's a couple of ways to leave a church and a couple of ways to not leave a church. The way to not leave a church is in a huff. The way to not leave a church is uh, by spreading gossip and frustration among people who are already there. I would take your concerns to the leadership in love. And if you decide you need to leave the church, leave the church quietly. As a pastor's wife, I can tell you we have been wounded on more times than I care to count by people who uh, feel like they have a, an ax to grind and they just leave you know, they leave in a huff and take half the church with them. And I don't think that honors the Lord at all. Uh, Paul instructed Timothy not to let anyone look down on him because he was young. So that's the other thing I want to I want to add to this is to say, you know, just because your senior pastor, when you tell me your senior pastor is not even 30, I have to wonder what Billy Graham looked like when he was not even 30. God can do amazing things and is doing amazing things through many of the young people in our culture today. And so that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is what I see in the rest of your email as a lack of discernment and an inability to wade into the deep waters of theology, which frankly, uh, people in church need right now. So it sounds to me like you're at a point where you probably should be looking for a church that's going to help you and your family go deeper in your walk with the Lord. But I would do it in kindness. I would do it respectfully and I would do it prayerfully. So I hope that uh, I hope that helps a little bit. I'm going to have time for one more question today. Thoughts on private schools. Heidi, I have a question for you. The church we attend has a private school in it, and I am struggling with our church sponsoring a private Christian school because I believe that God is not pleased with Christians who send their kids away for the majority of their childhood, even if it's to be educated in a Christian setting. Can you talk a bit about what the Bible has to say about Christian schools and private schools in general? So to answer your question, I am obviously, I'm a proponent generally of homeschooling, but I am a a large proponent of Christian education and a larger proponent of parents being involved in the education of their children. I don't see anything in scripture that says that parents can't send their kids to school. I know some of you are, you know, dropping your casserole dishes on the ground right now. What I can say is I don't believe that God wants us to send our children into ungodly environments. You know that a lot of you have been listening to this podcast for a long time. I graduated from a private Christian school. I had, for the most part, I had a pretty good experience there, but I also knew there were huge problems at the school. The thing that set our private Christian school apart from the public schools that my friends were going to was that as a general rule, the teachers were believers and they were appointing the 
the students back to Christ. Were there issues? Absolutely. But if I had to pick between public school and Christian school, I would pick a Christian school. If I had to pick between public school and Christian school and homeschool, I would in a New York minute say homeschool because I do believe that children are better off uh, under the direct influence and education of their parents and having the parents being the primary educators of the kids. I want to encourage you not to get caught in legalism. Remember, legalism is when I take my personal conviction that God has spoken to me about in his word, right? The Bible says in Luke 640 that when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. When I take that conviction and I put it on somebody else, I have crossed over into legalism. I want to encourage you away from that if I possibly can, and to a place of, of asking the Lord, what is best for my children? You guys have heard me say this a hundred million times. I am very, very concerned about what's happening in the public school systems. I'm urging parents to pull your kids out. The barn is on fire. At what point do we let the horses out, right? Uh, but I would never stand, I would never sit here and say that Christian schools are somehow wrong. I think, you know, we we look at Luke 640, when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. And we first have to ask ourselves, what am I like as a teacher? Am I teaching my children right things? And who am I going to allow to influence my children? The Bible has a lot to say about friendship, a lot to say about influence. And those are the things we want to keep at our forefront. I really like to see us not fighting with each other, but rather I'd like to see us link arms and say, let's encourage each other toward righteousness and protecting this generation of children and training them in righteousness. The best way I think to do that, obviously, is through homeschooling. And the next best way is through a private Christian school. If you're going to put your kids in a private school, can I just encourage you? I I learned this from experience. Know who your teachers are. Know what the ethos is of that school. And then get involved. You have to get involved. There's no easy, there's no easy out with parenting. We are called to be engaged with our children on a consistent basis. I was just talking to a mom who came to the center the other day and was saying, you know, our culture has really trained us, you know, when our kids get five years old or kindergarten, thank you very much for playing. We have a lovely parting gift. We can take it from here. And we drop our kids off at school and we basically let the school raise them. And we wonder why we're in so much trouble. Uh, parents need to be walking with the Lord and growing in maturity. And then we need to be raising up our children to do the same and to give that job to somebody else, I think is so short-sighted. And if you absolutely have to do it, then you gotta, you gotta be involved. I mean, we're parents, right? And we need to stop being lazy and start being involved in the lives of our kids the way that God intended. The Bible says to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I don't know about you, but I'm hanging on tight to that promise in scripture. I'm out of time for today. I really appreciate you guys sending all your Christmas cards to us here at Firmly Planted Family. We rely on your year-end donations. And if you are able to send a donation to the nonprofit along with your Christmas card, if you can't send a donation, that's fine too. Please send us a card anyway. But if you can tuck a donation in there, we would be really blessed. We have uh, received several donations this year. And I just want to say Thank you from the bottom of my heart to every single one of you who has tucked a donation into your Christmas card. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, just joy really come from that. So thank you guys for doing that. We really appreciate it. I hope you guys have a fantastic Monday and keep in the Christmas spirit. All right. Don't let the Grinch get in there. All right. Hang in there. Christmas is just a few days away. And I hope you guys are savoring the season 
with your children. I will come back on Wednesday and we're going to do something a little bit special for the next podcast. As it gets a little bit closer to Christmas, I always do something different, but it just so happens I will come back on Wednesday, the 18th, and I'll answer a few more of your questions and encourage you as the Lord directs. So we love you guys. Have a fantastic day. Thanks for those Christmas cards. Keep them coming. I will link back to the address in the show notes today. See you guys on Wednesday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.